here we are again. Uh, Randy Baker is over there behind the glass uh, with the blue shirt on. And Dr. Kent is in front of his particular sheet of glass, and he's got glass in front of his eyes. So, welcome to Shop Talk, from blue collar to blue suit. Uh, and, you know, I, I gotta say, this is, this, this is a good interview. This was, this was a fun one. So, I've never thought about glass this way before, but we live with it around us, and we often just don't wait, see it. Wait, wait, you, you live in a glass box? This, that's, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't throw stones. <laughs> but ser seriously, we're talking to Rod Milicevic, who knows about glass, and he's built a business. What I think is most interesting is the passion behind it, right? And, and I just never thought about the weight of a big pane of glass. I never thought about how it was treated, you know, how dangerous it might be to install or to fix or replace or any of that. Or how much of London you must <laughs> shut down sometimes to install a sheet of yes, glass. Yes, I forgot to say that. Rod, Rod is, is responsible for shutting down London a couple of times. So you're going to have to listen for that in the interview. So here's the interview with um, Rod Milicevic. And don't miss a word of it because there's some really interesting stuff here. Nice to talk with you, Rod. I have to, since since the listeners can't see you, I have to say the the color scheme of what Rod is bringing to the table here is is spectacular. Blue glasses, the the navy vest, all all of that. I'm loving it. So give give us the story of those glasses first off. Hi, Ken. Hi, Randy. Um, well, to be honest, they're blue light. So um, in terms of that, it just happened to be that they had a blue frame. Which is uh, a nice color, but um, yeah, they're blue light. And since I've been wearing them, actually, it's it's greatly improved my eyesight. So uh, I'm a fan of that. So nothing nice. much more mysterious than that. Sort. And speaking of glass, I guess that's what our conversation yeah. is going to be about today. So, so uh, the blue light protector, all of that, makes me think about glass. And I guess I spend most of my life looking through glass. I'm a glasses guy. Unless I'm sleeping, I'm looking through glass. So, what? When did you start thinking about glass and and that substance and everything? To be honest, I mean, I've always the transition for me. I've always been interested in transparent architecture. So, you know, not so much in construction, but in what happens behind the scenes, what makes people think, think and tick, what creates a scenario, and I think somehow. I got into construction and an installation of glass through my father because he, he was a, an installer, you know. So I, I've probably been doing it for about 30 years in various different parts of it, in, of the industry, really. So uh, everything from design to construction to fabrication and uh, most currently with what we do now. So we're, I would say we're probably one of the, better companies in the UK for the repair, maintenance, and installation. So we're, when the guys, I mean, I used to put up the building, so, you know, people used to come to me and say, look, give me a team. Here's, you know, enough material to put up a 30-story building, and we'd put together the project management and teams for that. And then um, now with the brand, what we do is 
once everyone's done all that installation, so everyone forgets that glass does break. So, you know, 30 floors up, someone's going to have a hang off ropes and find the specification for that original glass and, uh, you know, create some kind of a plan of how that's going to be um, reintegrated into the building with no loss of performance or functionality. So I always recall a story that I was told way back in the 70s about uh, about a lawyer who was so confident in his client's glass products that he threw himself at a window on the 33rd floor of a building and the glass broke and out he went. Do you have horror stories like that in, in, your, in your history? Well, you know what? That's one of my... It's strange you say that, confidence in glass, but uh, that was one of my... Uh, I couldn't have been more than about 15 or something like that. And I remember going with my dad and he'd installed some glass uh, in someone's house. And they said, are you sure it's tough and glass? Are you sure that it's safe? It's, they were really concerned because it was the front door. And he'd be taken out the old door, which is just a bit of single base. And he was that confident. He threw it at the, gla- <laughs> at the glass and it smashed into like smithereens. And, and after that, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty confident <laughs> of the safety. Most of our stuff in glass, yeah, there are some horror stories, and but it's probably some that we we don't want to recall. But when you're when you're changing, uh, doing some high level glass changes, it, it's usually off a crane, and it's usually hanging. And the problem with a piece of glass that's that's usually over three meters and you know over two meters wide is when the wind catches it and it starts acting like a sail or a kite, you're hanging on for dear life. And, you know, whilst the technology for vacuum suckers is really good, there's been some really scary moments. They're, they're always involving that, the equipment because the equipment's holding the glass. And uh, either battery life or, you know, if a crane breaks down and you, you're it's sort of stuck between the, the position where it needs to go and the ground – and you can't do anything, you're really reliant on the equipment. So uh, most most of my uh, grey hair is as a result of being in and around that type of scenario. So when you were a kid, were you dangling off of buildings, or what did that look like when, when you were first encountering it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as early as, you know, as I was allowed, I mean, I was quite I was quite big for my age, so I probably passed, you know, when I was 15, I probably looked 18. And I was out working on on uh, sites yeah i mean i've i've we worked on the famous uh, lloyd's building and i remember you know putting up it wasn't a glass it was we were we were doing some glass work but this particular scenario was a big louver and it, it came in i was recalling the story actually to a friend the other day who actually was one of the underwriters of the lloyd's insurance company we were landing these big louvers, and one of these louvers caught me. And uh, this is time before health and safety was, you know, like probably as good as it is now. And it sort of knocked me within about, I don't know, a foot of the edge of the <laughs> edge of the building. So I remember that <laughs> the building really well. But yeah, I, I've yeah, you know, I've always been fascinated. I think the, some of the architecture in and around the world, the way that they've developed uh, some of the glass products, has always fascinated me. You know, in, in terms of what it does in terms of how comfortable uh, it, it can make people you know and just generally the experience that they have within an environment I mean, there's so many studies now as well where you know like six syndrome or buildings uh, syndrome has been 
all not eradicated, but it's so so much improved as a result of the new technology in glass. You know, whether I mean, some of the stuff that's coming forward is heated glass now, so it's clear, but it's functional. You know, actually, you know, does away with radiators. There's almost nearly clear solar now, so you've got photovoltaics which are uh, functional within the building, and then you've got all the switchables and things like that. You know, and the coatings with you know bringing down new values and various different uh, values within the building to try and get sustainable carbon reduction things within the building. So I, I think you know whichever way you look at it, as you as you go through the different ages, whether it's stained glass or whether it's today's modern day glass, you know, there's there's a story there, and there's always some interest if you if you're into that sort of thing. I'm often fascinated by the diversity of architecture and when i think about london i think of the bullet building i can't remember the name of the building but that one that looks like a, a bullet gherkin that's the one and looking at it, it it it's circular it's unusually designed so that made me think back to 70s 80s cars where they were just starting to get curved windshields on the cars and mm-hmm. are there new processes that enable glass design to be less of a flat plane and more i don't know shapely for want of a better word is is that is that where it's going yeah yeah no absolutely do you know it's been it, it has been going like that for a while so there there are plenty of companies now that are that everyone's going into oversize that is a big flavor of you know it used to be that three meters was a big piece of glass now you you've got lines and companies around the world that are working in 14 meters plus in a single sheet, and obviously that that has some <laughs> that has some weight to it. Uh, in terms of curved and and um, almost like a pillow shape, and I forget what the word is at the moment. You know, there's plenty of buildings out there that are starting to use that lenticular feel to it. However, you know, just since I've been doing these uh, these uh, inquiries through the podcast, I've been speaking to different engineers, and there is a big flavour for considering buildings as a, a material bank. So, you know, in years to come, I think because of the, the carbon footprint and we've got this thing going on at the moment with COP26 in the UK, in uh, Glasgow, that I think people are going to be thinking, okay, let's let's sort of uh, be a bit more conservative because we can reuse some of these sizes, we can reuse some of the products and I think if they go completely off whack, if you take the Guggenheim and stuff like that and had it in glass, you know, it's going to be very difficult to reuse that. So I think what we're going to see, and it's just my personal opinion, I just think over the next 10 years, we're going to see um, much simpler design of building and therefore much simpler design of glass. And then there's going to be, um, I mean, there's a big thing about using uh, laminated glasses you have to be able to delaminate glass as well, you know, otherwise it's all going to end up in landfill. So we're filling up, you know, big solar farms. We're putting up solar farms, but when they start breaking down, they're not very recyclable. So they're just going into landfill and containers at the moment. So there's a big debate about, you know, how weird and wacky we can be, but at the same time contribute to the to sustainable discussion, really, recycling. And I don't know if, they, you know, if this is the type of, uh, you know, how much technical you want to get into on the, on the podcast, but 
uh, you know, because it might bore <laughs> bore your audience silly. But yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to see. You know, I love domes. You know, uh, geodesic domes. But you know, I think it's form, form, and function are going to be the, the watchword for the next sort of ten years. So, how do you rein in architects? So, if if if, if technology is enabling glass to be formed in different shapes, but we don't necessarily want that because we want reusability and sustainability. Architects are out there wanting to create amazing structures that are unique. Um, so there's got to be a, a, in my simple mind, there's got to be a way to rein that in to some extent, but maybe I'm... Well, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, creativity and pushing the boundaries and pushing envelopes doesn't always have to be bigger and better you know i mean we're in the land now of the metaverse and ai and digital twins and people buying you know on decentral land plots of (laughs) building doing buildings but all in a sort of digital format and i think they can be ironically i think what's going to happen is architects and designers will start working in that in that sort of digital format proving concepts and then seeing seeing how they could use sort of repeat patterns and start using fractal design with an end view so saying okay well we can be creative it can still look very beautiful it can still look flow and and shape but at the same time we if we look at dismantling it in years to come we could also create another building that could be smaller you know, for for future generations. So I think what will happen is, I don't think there will be a, a curb on creativity. I just think they'll need to use different tools to prove the concept and have to be, you know, subject to some other criteria, which is which is sort of coming out almost every day. You know, through through you know, as a result of things like that we had here at Grenfell. You know where. You know, there has to be almost like a digital clerk of works. You know, there needs to be a digital data officer, I think, that's going to go, okay, well, I see what you're doing there, and that's great. But, you know, for instance, I I remember, and I don't know if it went away, but there was a big push on um, triple glazing years ago in Germany. And then all of a sudden it it came away because they realized that you're increasing the weight of the glass, which is causing a health and safety risk for the guys installing it. So it's it's all well and good having these massive pieces of glass, but if you haven't good, got good operation manuals, if you haven't got a good chain of information that in 10 years' time a company like ours can come and pick up that information and go, right, okay, this is you know on the 80th floor and it's a two-ton piece of glass and you know, we don't no longer have the luxury of all the construction, craneage and everything else in place. We're going to have to, you know, shut half of London, which we do on a regular basis, just to install this thing. So I, th- I think they're just a little bit more mindfulness to go in with the creativity or even some dialogue, you know, with operators that are going to be maintaining it on a regular basis. That's the coolest thing I think anyone's ever said on our podcast, that you had the ability to shut down half of london that's that's pretty cool it's like you're the queen of england or something it's it's really neat uh so how do you how do you feel about all that power 
<laughs> well, no, it does. The power doesn't come easily, and we have to go through all the. You know, you almost sometimes feel like you haven't contacted the Queen of England to get a permit uh, in place, but for good for good reason. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It's not. You know, we're waiting. Put it this way: the average road closure takes twelve weeks to put in place by the time it it comes to fruition. So a lot of thought and planning has to be going in for a lot of people of what they allow and what they don't. So why do humans like glass so much? Why are we so fascinated by it? I mean, since the you know dawn of glass, it's been singularly useful and interesting to us. And and obviously as we go forward with these amazing new technologies, it still involves glass. Is it that we can see through it, yet it's solid? Or what's the fundamental enjoyment we have, I guess, or relationship with glass? I think it's, number one, I think it's tactile. You know, early days, if you look at stained glass and the story that you can tell through stained glass and, and everything is evocative and the emotions it can bring in and depending on the set and setting of where it is. For the first time, you're starting to use color and it's creating some kind of ambience within the internal. And that, I think, has it allows some kind of dialogue for of contemplative thinking. I think moving on, the fact that you can uh, create big swathes of and apertures of glass that allow you to, to look out. And again, it, it's a sort of, you know, I often see people standing, you know, when you're standing on top of the shard or, you know, you, you're at a high level and you're looking over a, the cityscape of London or anywhere, to be honest, you know, where I've been, you know, places like Singapore or Kuala Lumpur or through airports and people are looking out and they're really taking in a much bigger vista and they get a sense of their own place in the world and what you know and how vibrant everything is so i think the transparency of glass is really good but at the same time it gives you the safety and the functionality so if you're in an office you can still have that but you're not blinded by the sun you know there's different coatings you know you're in an environment which is managing heat gain and solar gain and things like that so i think there is a that's that's why a lot of it's a prevalence in, in glass in, in ha- and how it can be installed. So, you know, and obviously in, in normal domestic domestic use, uh, glass, you know, it's just part of the fabric of the building. But And it's probably something we take for granted, you know, just uh, what, it, what it does. Your father was installer. Was he installing glass on 30-storey buildings or was he predominantly in the, in the residential space? Yeah, he was uh, mainly residential, moved quickly into commercial, but he was in fire screens, really. So he would uh, work on airports and uh, anywhere that had sort of needed glass within fire. And it wasn't just glass, it was fire doors were then quite a lot of them and still are steel. So big steel, cold, cold things. And I think as I sort of took over... the project just seemed to get bigger. I don't know whether that was uh, naive and right. ambition or uh, it just, ha- so just so you actually you've actually grown the business from what your father had into what you have today, which is significant. Yeah, I mean, there's been there's been various different what's the word manifestations of of what that was. You know, it, we went from a you know two three man team to you know at one point I think we had 
150 before we ran out of road and talent. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and then, you know, we've had to reshape and reform. And, but, you know, I I remember probably my earliest and and probably still one of my favorite uh, projects when we worked at the British Library. And that was steel and that was a fire screen. So it was over, I I think it was about six floors. And, and the glass is about 48 mil thick, and it, it holds all the sort of, uh, I think it's Kim James's books mm. in, the, in that library. And it's all bronze. So all the, all the steelwork and the uh, framework's all bronze. So, and it was, just, it was just a lovely experience to be part of such a prestigious build at the time when I think I was about 26. And to see it standing still now and to look down the line to know that, you know, we did a sort of plus or minus. 1.5 millimeter, you know, over the, over the span of that was was um, yeah, it was it was, a, it was a testament to all the guys that worked it. I mean, I, you know, I was probably the smallest pin in our team. But yeah, we had some really good time experienced guys, and and um, sadly, some of them still aren't with us, and some of them aren't. So we we at, on Shop Talk we like to talk to people who have built something significant from relatively modest beginnings. And one of the things we like to ask them is, what advice would you give to that tradesman that is out there starting his own business or perhaps taking over somebody else's business? What advice would you give them to, to grow, to, to extend that into a, a true, large, healthy, sustainable, repeatable business? I think today it, it has to be a, a really take on technology. I mean, we we recently took on a a, a platform that allows us to go from uh, from a lead right through to the project management and the final invoicing. And I think that's probably been in the last two years um, a most revolutionary. You know, it's allowed accountability and it's allowed transparency. And it's you know, you for anyone trying to manage a business and grow a business, I think without that, I mean, I don't know how I don't know how we managed beforehand. So I would say adopt a really good working model and something you know get some software or a platform that really works holistically with what you're trying to do i think you know really know your craft and and develop work in a niche so you know we work in a very specific niche in the aftercare repair and maintenance aftercare market and that way you know you get to know you know because it's obviously quite an incestuous business an industry so you get to know people and you can build uh, trust i think i would also you know work with really good people always work with people that are quality orientated customer focused and really conscious that it's uh you know the the you know the relationship you build with a customer today you know, starts off with maybe you know a thousand pound but actually over the long term you know five ten years time that's that's a million pound industry business so i think start with the end in mind if you can i've you know i mean today we probably i mean we're again we're still not big but you know we're probably turning over three million but i always sort of had that in mind that you know we'd get up to those sort of levels and and we were building with a view how do we do that how do we make it how do we make the experience better for us and easier so we can make it easier for the client so that he has a, a more enjoyable experience and also try and have some fun, you know, <laughs> you know, cause it's a, it's a difficult industry to be in. Uh, so, you know, try and 
have some fun doing it. I love that, and I, I think um, you know the way you talk about glass. It's like a, it's it sounds like a lifelong love affair, which is awesome because I, I you know I I realize sometimes how how much I love glass and buildings with glass and so on. And like I said at the beginning, I, I live my life looking through my glasses, so <laughs> couldn't couldn't live with the same without it. So first off, I think you say your last name. Milicevich, something like that. How do you pronounce your name? Yeah, yeah Milicevich. Milicevich. Yeah, okay, I, I tried. So, where can folks find you? Obviously, you've got your podcast. That you got your website. All those things. Where and and who would you love to to reach out? Okay, so I'm always interested in anyone who's you know facilities management, building owners, building operators. Um, from all different angles, you know, not not just uh, you know on board as a client, but people that are doing new stuff or cool stuff. That that's the, some of the things that I found. You know, talking to people on podcasts, you know, some of the conversations have blown me away in terms of. I'm thinking, oh wow, I've been in that space and I still didn't understand how important that was. Whether it's you know embedded carbon in the in the product or you know some new process, you know about delamination you know, and recycling of the glass. We work with a lot of uh, suppliers that are really ch challenged at the moment because of the world, you know, whether it's aluminium or whether it's glass, uh, and everyone's saying, God, what, what's going on? And it's just, you know, I just think it would be good to hear from different people and just see what their experiences are. You know, well, I think if they've got, if, and if they've got some challenges or thinking, you know, how am I going to get that? on top of that building, out of that building, or how do I find um, operation manuals, or how do I find some old products that we've probably come across them at some point in the last 10 years, and we might have something that might just help someone else. So it's, you know, it's that, I'm open, really. I'm open to, the, to what comes. So thanks so much for talking with us, Rod. Uh, it's been a real pleasure, and yeah, I'm... I'm just that this this short conversation has me rethinking i wouldn't say everything but a lot of things so thank <laughs> you <laughs> oh, thank you no, it's, it's been a pleasure joining you both and and chatting and rekindling some thoughts i had about glass as well well thank you ron i really really enjoyed that i'd never heard of pillow shaped glass what a concept and then the idea of using glass as a building material but a sustainable reusable material i i always thought glass just broke and now you're talking about reusing it it's amazing i've always been fascinated by glass and now i'm only more fascinated by it i think particularly the stories about tall buildings uh with this with two ton chunks of glass or i think what you said the was it a 300 meter sheet of glass like I, I just never thought about it no four, 14 meters 300 feet long <laughs> you can't transport oh that's no problem that's, that's a no thousand trouble, feet dude. yeah yeah uh, but such such amazing stories um and and also to to kind of think about the family business that that your your dad got you into it and then it turned into this big thing so um yeah talking about transferring into big things if you are a, a blue-collar worker starting your own business, you're a tradesman, you're really good at what you want to do, and you're just getting started. Tradesperson. Tradesman. What should I say? Uh, well, I can, you know. Tradesman. 
Oh, well, I should be tradesperson, yes, because, of course, tradesperson. So if you're a tradesperson, you're really good at what you do and you're breaking out and you're starting your own business and you're struggling or you're wanting to grow or whatever, touch base with us. We may be able to help. Yeah, Randy has a guided meditation that'll help you out. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sort of very <laughs> woo-woo, but, you know, all tradespersons are woo-woo. I suppose, not? but you can come visit us at Resonate engine.com and there's two e's in the middle there uh, at the end of resonate and at the start of engine oh wait a minute there's actually a an e at the end of engine too and there's an e after the r in resonate anyway go to resonateengine.com and um check us out i think um you'll enjoy what we what we offer folks so yeah and anyway that's it for today last think about it you look through it every day